yanking people off. Incoming transmission. Engage house party protocol. Mark 4, powering up. Mark 17, powering up. Mark 44, powering up. All suits are online. Welcome to house party protocol. Power of Suits and welcome in to another episode of House Party Protocol. My name is Will and with me today is the one and only inhuman hipster, Brian Freddy. What's happening, my guy? Oh, not a whole lot. Will, how are you doing? You know, I'm doing pretty solid. I'm glad to get you back on the podcast. It's It's been a minute and um, we had a little serendipity happen this week, if I say so <laughs> myself. Oh, yes. And I'm excited to have that happen this week. It's going to be really fun, I think. Yeah. So for those that uh, don't know what serendipity means, it's it's a word that I didn't know what it meant for a long time. But when I found out what it meant, it's like, oh, man, this is awesome. Basically, when something unexpectedly good happens that works out really well for the benefit of parties, I guess, would be the layman's definition i'm not going to look up merriam webster for this <laughs> but it is what it is so last yeah. week we had scheduled to record but life got in the way it is what it is life is life it's going to happen but i do think i'm finally kind of figuring out my time schedule a little bit more now to where i i switched up my schedule a little bit for 2024 so my recording schedule is a little different now a little inside baseball but anyways Inhuman Hipster and I had scheduled to record last week, didn't get to, and then this week, we we got our recording scheduled, everything's good to go, and we get notified that we're playing each other in the House Party Protocol League. So, yes, <laughs> serendipitous indeed. So, Brian Freddy, I, I'm going to have to say that uh, you're going down, King T is coming for Inhuman Skulls. I just want to let you know that. Yeah, I'm a. Uh, I think I think I might be able to take you down. I think Black Bolt might be able to take a nice deep breath. Um, I know you don't really like your energy attacks too well into you, but hopefully, hopefully, I can pull it out. I think hey, it'd be look, really cool. If he takes a night nice deep breath, I'm gonna make sure he doesn't have a mouth to breathe out from. Oh, okay. <laughs> We've At least you'll have a five threat sink. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Right. It does does the old strategy still apply of like yes yeah, just leave Black Bolt alone and he's not so dangerous? Oh, I don't think so. Dang it! <laughs> he has a lot more access to his kit now, so he hits a little bit harder, and you can't really ignore him whether you want to or not. <laughs> that makes <laughs> me a sad. Bit. Yeah, he and likes to he likes to take uh, hits for his people because he serves his people. He does well. Um, King T likes to get powered up when his people take hits, so he serves his people too in a way by dispensing yeah. the murder. Yeah, 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 we'll go with that. yeah, definitely. I know that uh, Black Bolt will definitely love to see you know Mbaku across the across the table. See, I think that'll be a fun matchup. That's what you think. Mbaku sees the table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I. Uh, uh, it's no. I don't care what the math says about two dice defense. I am not bringing M'Baku 
against Black Bolt. It's just this is not going to happen. You know, I think I think Justin might be able to correct you on that, but I I have to agree. <laughs> well, he did correct me because when he was on the podcast, uh, for y'all that haven't listened, we did an episode a while back with uh, Binks, and we talked all about this this fun math and uh, math is fun, right? Uh-huh. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah okay i don't care what anybody says that dude, math does not add up most of the time <laughs> right two dice For energy me. defense it's like nah man just no just go no, away no, no. Just, that, that character is go deleted away. i hope you had fun bringing them to the table yeah um and i had a five threat leader who had that type of defense for a long time and anytime i saw a mystic team against me it was like i might just probably lose yeah. I don't like this. What is his mystic defense three now? It is three now. Hey, it is three now. That one so extra die we're, really we're living matters. living the dream. Yeah. You know, I'm excited for this matchup because locally we don't have too many Inhumans players. I think I've only played against Inhumans once, maybe twice. So it'll be a fun experience for me and that really shows how diverse mcp really is and that you know the idea of this league was to tune up for the big event at adepticon and i don't know about you but i felt like i've gained a lot of valuable information about the squad i'm planning on taking for this event mm -hmm. yeah um i i i will not be attending attending Depticon as far as I know right this second. Um, might be able to squeeze it in last minute, but it's not looking super likely with budgets and stuff. But um, it's been really fun to kind of tinker around stuff post-LVO and uh, kind of learn from my mistakes there, and it's been it's been fun. It's been a good time. Nice. Yeah. What what changes did you make to your roster after LVO? Because you, you took Inhumans up there too, correct? I did take Inhumans to LVO. Um, I... So people tend to say that Inhumans are more of an attrition-focused team, which for the most part, they're not wrong. I tend to lean more of a control-slash-scenario-based build of Inhumans. Mm -hmm. um, so I like to take the more spread-out maps. I don't really like Demons. Demons kind of gives me anxiety. Don't really like Gamma. I don't like the 15 points, right? So it's just, it's a little tough whenever I go into a quote-unquote meta where there's a lot of web warriors or a lot of shield players right guardians right. of the galaxy um and i played on spider portals i learned very very quickly that spider portals is not for me <laughs> it's it's not um, for anyone like i'm just gonna be honest yeah. with you like uh, <laughs> it's it's not for anybody that rolling a skull and getting placed within range two is the worst oh it it bit me in the butt many, many times throughout yeah. the weekend. Um, so luckily I only had to play on it, I think once, maybe twice, but the both times I played it, it was it did not pan out very well for me. But now that CGR has been nerfed, right? Spoiler alert, I am starting to experiment with demons because I don't think that Guardians is going to be as oppressive on that. I think they still will be a little bit, but I think it's worth trying it out now without just like automatically losing. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. And, and that's the thing, you know, about crisis selection and all of that when you're, especially when you're in an environment where, you know, the idea is to try new things like we are with the HPP League, you can insert demons, play a couple games on it, see how it feels with kind of, you know, no stakes more or less. You know what I mean? Like there's stakes, someone's going to get a winner, someone's going to get the wooden spoon kind of thing. But at the same time, 
it's one of those things where I I didn't care where I finished in it because it's it's meant for me to learn my list better. And of course, yes. Trying different crisis setups, trying different um different things is it's always fun, I think. Yeah, and for me a lot of LVO2 was like I I don't have a very big play group at home. So I don't really have as much of a diversity in terms of like what I'm playing against. I've have very little experience in the web warriors. My friend Nathan has been repping them out a lot recently, but he's kind of beating his face against the wall trying to learn them right now. <laughs> um, so like nothing skilled there, right? But like never played against Wakanda. You're about to play Wakanda against me, so this will be really cool. You know, it's just like a lot of a lot of good experience coming my way. I think. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, either way, I hope that the dice go my way and not your way, and. I plan on killing your face. So I, just I hope to kill your face. Hope you so. enjoy that. Yeah. So suits, if uh, you want to watch Brian, Freddie and I fight with our little plastic dudes on the tabletop, then come over to twitch.tv slash Darth balls. Oh five. And that's balls with a Z because you know, I'm edgy like that. <laughs> <laughs> By the time you're hearing this, we will either have played or will be playing, so just follow on the socials for whenever this stuff. You know, still Twitch, YouTube, House Party Protocol, all that fun stuff. So anyways, Brian Freddy, now we have to talk about everybody's favorite current former big bad, and that is the Cosmic Ghost Rider. And, and let me tell you, Will, I am excited to tear this one apart. You know, this is one that I think is very interesting and may or may not have the desired effect. I'm excited to get into this as well. And when I, when, I think we need to kind of talk a little bit about what CGR was previously, which I've talked before about on this show about how strong he was in a general sense, but like you were at LVO. Guardians won LVO. CGR was a popular choice there, was he not? Oh, he was so popular of a choice, in fact, that the top table was a character-for-character character mirror match. Right. And so. do you think that that's a CGR thing or a Guardians thing overall? I feel like it's a bit of both. Yeah. I think that if it wasn't for CGR, I think it might have been a little bit different. Yeah, I could see that. I also think that the unrestricting of gems also oh, for sure. plays yeah. a part in some of this. Sure, absolutely. Because, I mean, I think, if I'm not mistaken, both of the top table guys had a Black Order flex. Yeah, I think so. CGR is also Black Order affiliated, so... Like, I believe one guy played Black Order one time and he won that one game. <laughs> so, um, yeah. I mean, the Unrestricted of the Gems definitely plays a big effect in all of that. Um, we're probably maybe going to see a resurgence of Black Order. I'm not really too sure on that one quite yet. But, I mean, now that there's, like, a quote-unquote downfall of CGR, like, well, I guess time will just tell, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I find it very interesting that you say quote unquote downfall of CGR because when I look at a character, any character, whoever it is, I th 
think certain things within the framework of their threat level, right? Like I think that a a three threat should be able to kind of be this semi one trick pony in a way, right? Like a three threat should be really good at support or really good at turning up the damage or have like a nice little bit of control, right? So like Valkyrie as an example of a three threat that I think is really well balanced currently because of her damage output. She can ramp that damage, right? Shuri. Yes, absolutely. Yep. A support three threat, right? And then you've got like a ghost spider who is a really mobile and supportive three threat that you could argue all day if she's overtuned or not. I think that Gwen is probably just right because she has no defensive tech for herself, which is correct. Thing. Yep. So, you know, things like that, right? Four threat kind of layers of a little bit better than that three threat, right? Should be able to do maybe two things pretty good. Provide some control, provide some support, provide some damage output, provide some staying power. You know, some some combination of those things. Five threat on up and everything like that. But when you get into the six threat realm and you start looking at a character like Cosmic Ghost Rider, I think it becomes harder and harder to nail down that balance because... It's one character that gets two actions, but is worth potentially a third of your squad. Yeah, and it's it definitely becomes a really big balancing act, like you said, because I mean, AMG has even gone on record to say that like when I mean, not for word, word for word, obviously, but like whenever they're trying to think of like these six, seven, eight threat models, like they have to compress potentially two, three threat models worth of action economy into one character and how do you do that in a way that doesn't negatively impact the game for everybody involved right like it's it's a little crazy it is it is and that's exactly where i'm going with this discussion when we think about six threat or higher characters even some five threat characters but really it's when you start to hit that six that things you know, like Doctor Strange said in the Multiverse of Madness, just got out of hand. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, of course. So it's uh, it's one of those things where was CGR overtuned? Absolutely. Um, it's one of those things where we can very clearly point to certain things on the card that were like, "All right, this is this is too much. It's a little too much." Yeah, as an and also I think that it's worth to be noted too that like a six threat should be super powerful. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like in his current state that they just nerfed him to, like he is still very strong. He's still very powerful. He's going to put out some hurt. It's going to be a little bit harder to get to where he was beforehand, but I don't think that that's a bad thing, right? Yeah. He's still a six threat and he's still psychotically crazy. Like that's the whole that's the whole premise behind the character. And like, I think that they capture that really well. And like, what's a way that you can balance out a six threat model that's super crazy, super strong, super powerful, again, without totally underwhelming to, you know, make him feel like a five threat. Like, we don't want that. We want him to feel like a six. And I think that they did what they did fairly well. Yeah. But again, time will tell. We'll see. How the, how the general audience reacts to that. That's it right there, is the time will tell, because CGR was 
powerful when he first dropped, but it wasn't until a little later down the line that people started to really figure out different combos and whatnot that were really potent with him and everything like that. And I mean, we're seeing things in the community become more popular over time as people start to unlock them a little bit. Hellfire Club as an example of something that has steadily risen in popularity and that some would argue is becoming a bit of a problem. That's a conversation for another time. But I also think that when you look at this six threat character here in Cosmic Ghost Rider and exactly what you said, that trying to find that balance and find that space of fair, but also empowering for the person playing that character, but also able to have a counter of some kind that isn't just another version of that character is important, you know? Absolutely. And And like your, your counter, like that is a very, very important part for this character, right? Because for what, seven, eight months since he's been out, like there was really no real way to plan for this guy because he was so unstable (laughs) in his psyche, (laughs) you know, with the power roll during the power phase that like he could just bounce all the way up to the side of the board double tap your deployment line and yank you off like that's that's not a feels good experience like the best way that you could possibly take this guy down was through stagger and stun but then you have crew of the milano (laughs) so like there's no way to really slow or plan for this guy or counter him so to speak right but i think i think maybe we have that a little bit better now yeah definitely and we're obviously burying the lead when we talk about all of this but i do think that context is important here in this discussion and also if you think i'm gonna let it slide that you said yanking people off and not make a joke about it you got another thing coming (laughs) i'm just you know man well (laughs) words are hard (laughs) words are hard but you know what i'm sure i'm not the only one that caught that so shout out to the real ones out there (laughs) absolutely (laughs) But, but anyways i digress it's uh it's one of those things man like it's really difficult to balance a game like this, especially with the constraints that AMG's put on itself of single digits. You know what I mean? Like that, that makes things difficult. And so here we are cosmic ghost rider with his errata and everything here. So let's go ahead and start talking about this. Let's go one by one and talk about what it was, what it is now and why it matters. Cool. Sure. Yep. That sounds good. So, first things first, increase the power cost of the Power Cosmic Penance Stair from 6 to 8. So this is... Praise God. (laughs) This is his spender that is a range 2, 12 dice mystic attack. The target does not gain power for damage dealt by this attack. And if you do crit, wild, hit, shield, and skull... You change each of the target character's shield results to a skull result. So, why was this such a problem at six power? It was a problem at six power because Cosmic Ghost Rider had the ability to double tap with this obscenely strong spender in single activation. Interesting. You wake up with 10 power. You spend six of those power to tap one guy. You kill him, more than likely. Then you turn around. You have four power left. You use no matter the cost, 
for two and then you kill the other guy that's right next to you yeah um and that was a huge feels bad moment for a lot of people and it also just like six power just it was so easy to attain like he was doing it multiple times a game you know spe- like big spenders like this much should be a one to maybe two times a game type thing depending on how you're playing right yeah but there were times in games where he would he would cosmic stare me at least four times it's just it wasn't good yeah that's pretty wild and it's one of those things where i think that the problem for me when i saw this as a thing it wasn't so much the fact that it was only six power it was a combination of things one the fact that no matter the cost exists and is not restricted at this point was a a factor i believe because that to me was the engine that drove this super attacks ability you know what i mean was yeah okay cool i get to three power then which is easy to do with cosmic ghost rider even if you roll poorly you're starting crazy you can get two power on your turn with hellfire blasters and then you're sitting there you just need one more power or two more power something like that right if you roll poorly so easy to do and when you absolutely positively gotta delete something 12 dice mystic attack will usually do the trick right and so um yeah exactly so when you are paying a little bit of health which he had plenty of nine on his healthy side to fuel this attack it became where you know i get it i I, and i think that that was the the biggest problem because then if you start making him have to spend his own power with no boosts or anything like that to do that well then yeah you're probably back down to that two maybe three times a game spender but this is one where mm-hmm. i do agree with you this this one should be you know you see this twice in a game that should be about the maximum right and, and uh i mean in something you also have to take into consideration it's 12 dice counting skulls <laughs> more often than not right so like talk about a delete button just easy button mode right you know? yeah and like that's that shouldn't be in the game no, yeah, you're you're counting six out of eight sides of a die at that point, right? Because Correct. it's and then you add winging it on top of that. Yeah, <laughs> you're just dead. No, and I did it. I did that math wrong. I think it's five sides of the die because it's two hits, a crit, right. a wild, yes. and a skull. So still, yep, still five sides of a die, and then crits explode into potentially extra successes that you can use for five sides. So like, yeah, and then winging it. Not to mention any other shenanigans that you have. So, yeah, it was a delete button. Now, does 8 power fix this problem? Specifically for no matter the cost, I am led to believe so. Now, you can still use that to help you get to the spender, but maybe just get to the spender earlier, as opposed to using it to abuse the power cost of it, right? Yeah. Um, so I, and it's, it's a fair, more of a quote unquote fair trade off because he's taking damage, right? right? Which is going to weaken him, which will help take him off the board just a little bit faster. Yeah. And also it's like a little bit harder to get the power on him now under his home affiliations with, you know, certain changes that he had that I think, I think it, I think it's fine personally. Yeah. I definitely read this as something that 
I don't think it's going to be used very often now, except for like when he wakes up from being dazed, you have priority. Mm -hmm. There's a slightly injured Hulk across from you and you go get him kind of a thing. Right. And trading six threat for six threat too. It's like fine. Right. (laughs) Right. Or, and look, you know, if you wake up from being dazed as cosmic ghost rider and you're sitting there on 10 power, you can place within range two, still go get this off. And, it goes back to that thing we talked about at the beginning of the sixth threat should still feel like a sixth threat. So being able to do this after waking up from being dazed or, or even before, if you've managed your power appropriately, but look at the end of the day, anyone that's played cosmic ghost rider knows he burns through his power typically, Mm -hmm. or he had burned through his power. Correct. But I think we're going to see when we start talking about a couple of these other changes, he might not be burning through it as quickly now and he'll be able to build it up more. I don't know, but let's, let's finish this conversation about power cosmic penance stare. And that's where I think that you're still going to see this just obviously not as often. And it's going to be more of a target priority thing. Like, Oh, there's a miles close by and I, and he's injured and I need to get rid of that leadership. Go get him. You know what I mean? Kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Of course. So, I don't know. I'm intrigued to see where this moves the needle on the whole thing because two extra power is definitely a lot for a character that only has a gainer. Yes, he can has other means to gain power, but it's unreliable. So right. I'm interested yes. to see what this does to him. So next change we have here is replace the text of the Chains of Sidorak superpower with the following text, and literally the only thing they changed is they added, this superpower can be used once per turn. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Superpower can be used once per turn. That should have always been there, Huge. frankly. Huge. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was, to me, the bigger problem than Power Cosmic Penance Stare is, okay, cool, I've got six power, I'm in the middle of all your people, they're all on fire now. Yeah, and then the rest of my cheap core is just going to come and dummy you. Yep. Yep. So, to me, this was the most problematic thing on his card was the fact that this was not once per turn. Now, with that being said, this superpower only costs two power. So, he should have access to this fairly easily still, but he's only going to get to do it once. And I think it's good in that it really makes your target priority much more important with Cosmic Ghost Rider and who you use this on. It's like, okay, am I going to use this on the person that's already activated so my squad can come and clean up, or am I going to use this on someone that I'm going after with Cosmic Ghost Rider? Right. It makes you be intentional. It makes the player have decision points and not just, I don't really want you to score anything and I'm just going to kill you. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, the fact that it only costs two power and you can't do it as often, which is good. Like, I want to really hammer home the fact that it's good. His power expenditure now, though, is going to be significantly less. And I think that this is where things are going to get interesting over time with how he's saving up power for his Cosmic Justice on Wheels, which is his Got Your Back, and saving up power for that power cosmic penance stare more often since he's not using it on chains. Good. That's a good thing. 
this is just want to be really, really hammering home this this point. It's a good thing. But I do think it will change the play pattern, but it doesn't necessarily weaken him. Sure. Yes. I yeah, no, I agree. I agree with that. You know, and so here we are. Now I think the the two two big changes here. Last two changes. There's two two more changes. Yeah. So replace the text of I'm the spirit of vengeance, bearer of the power cosmic, and just a bit unstable superpower with the following text. So previously that said during the power phase, you do the thing. Now during the cleanup phase, you remove all psychosis tokens from this character. Then this character rolls five dice. For each critical wild and hit result rolled, this character gains one power. Then if this character has five or more power, this character gains a psychosis token and drops all objectives, it is holden. So instead of starting the power phase, rolling your dice, gaining power, it now happens in the cleanup phase. This will slow him down by a round. And that's about it. Yeah, which I mean, for a game that most games are generally more or less over by like rounds three or five, I think it's a huge, 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 huge thing. Yeah, I, I think this is good because the most problematic interaction for Cosmic Ghost Rider, and it's one that AMG many, many, many moons ago banned a card in the game specifically because of an interaction that can happen with Cosmic Ghost Rider. And again, dice dependent, you know, it wasn't the default option, but the fact that it could happen is enough of a problem for me. So back time ago in, in the land before, uh, <laughs> AMG banned drop-off, and they specifically said <laughs> it was for Cable because Cable could reach someone's deployment zone with his piddly little five dice attack. <laughs> and I say say it like that for a reason, because we all know how Cable used to be. And right. that was too problematic for the game. Well, along comes Cosmic Ghost Rider in, you know, from the future, all that fun stuff. And he could easily, if he rolled hot on that initial power phase roll, reach a deployment zone. Whether he could place himself there off the rip range five. Like, placing range 5 pretty much got him there. Or if he could place range 4 and then move and shoot someone on the deployment line. The fact that he could reach out to a deployment line was unacceptable. And so... Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and and yeah. that, to me, every, everything else... Chains probably needed to change it, but everything else needed to needed to change in some way or another. But this right here is the thing that was like it needed to needed to change because right yep. it is the most negative experience in the game of cool I brought this model I didn't even get to play them they did not get an activation which is what could happen yeah and I think that it's really important to note too the major thing that really like causes this to be a good thing is during the cleanup phase like the steps in order of everything that happens right so like Why at the that? end of round one um you'll score points step two is you resolve player effects during the cleanup phase so 
rolling dice for you know crazy town you know tactics cards etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm-hmm. and then you have step three which is um you do non-player effects which is like crisis cards so like cubes or spider infected or whatever it is and then step four is character with a daze token removes all damage token special conditions all of that stuff so if cosmic ghostwriter is dazed he does not get to roll for his his crazy town during the cleanup phase yes and, and i think that that's super super important to note here completely agree so it's one of those things where if cgr is looking like he's in trouble and you blow all your power you might be in trouble with gaining some power back so it's one of those things where i think that now he is going to be definitely more objective focused in some instances which i think is interesting and i think that this really just it slows down the engine a little bit which is a good thing and it also makes it to where like we've talked about before and i think that all of these changes so far are really showing this theme of being more deliberate and the thing I've got to ask you, Brian, Freddie, is so far, like, these would be classified as a nerf. Like, they would be. But do you feel like that this really is a nerf in its, you know, truest sense, I guess? I mean, in its truest sense, like, nerf really means that their power level has been dramatically knocked down. I think if anything, this is like a slight rework of the same thing. So yeah. if anything, his quote unquote nerf would be that his chains is once per turn and that his spender is more expensive. Yeah. Um, now, in terms of overall power level, on the other hand, yes, he is less powerful because his engine isn't starting off the rip. Yeah, exactly. I, uh, I completely agree um, with you. Yeah. And it, it is a it is technically a nerf in that he is less powerful than he was. But it's also one that I think when you get down to it, he doesn't have a precipitous drop in power level. Does that make sense? Yeah, exactly. So we do have one final thing that changed, and this is the one where I'm not I'm not hundred percent sure on what is actually changing with this phrasing, but I'm gonna read it out anyways. It is, replace the text of ready to roll with the following text. At the start of the first power phase, and when this character would be dazed, I think that's the change, this character gains a psychosis token. While it has a psychosis token, it counts skulls. While it has a psychosis token, it cannot hold, contest, or interact with objectives. So the change, I think, is basically to say, if you would be dazed, and like we talked about with the the chart of timing there, if you would be dazed, you are still going to wake up crazy regardless of whether or not you get that power. Yes, it just basically means because of the cleanup step thing that we talked earlier, you don't have an opportunity to get more power. Um, but you still have the the crazy token. You know? you're, you're still <laughs> insane. Yeah. So, because he's waking up and he's like, what the heck, dude? You knocked me out. I'm going to go crazy town on you. That's and right. It's going to suck really bad. <laughs> <laughs> it sure is. So, Brian, Freddie, we, we kind of jumped the gun a little bit there, but 
I like these changes. I think that this brings his what was probably more like a seventh threat at a minimum previously, like what you could you know argue would have been a seventh threat down a little bit. But I don't think that this these these changes overall move that needle so much to where if you had Cosmic Ghost Rider that and you liked playing him, which look, I had that character. I get that he's not the most happy time, fun experience for my opponent. However, I like the character and I liked playing him because he was ridiculous. And not in that, again, not that I liked changing everybody and blowing everybody off the board. I don't mean it like that. It, it just, it's a fun character to play. He's just a fun character to play. If you remove the, like, like, look, we're all going to throw dice at each other and have a good time. That aspect of it is the only thing that should matter when this context. I'm going too much about this. Anyways. Right. <laughs> I don't think you lose the fun factor with this character with these no, changes. No, not at all. Not at all. Because they still kept his identity. And I think that that's the most important part. Exactly. And look, he's still going to kick ass. He's, he's, oh, yeah. He's gonna. And this is one of those things where give it some time, play with this character, put him on the tabletop, and see how these changes impact your decision making, because that's really going to be the thing that I think this these changes will do. It's just changing up your decision making. Instead of see thing, shoot thing, missile of murder town, it's, it's a lot more like deliberate. Of I think. course. Yeah. You know. Yeah. No, I, I couldn't agree more. Now, here's the other question, Brian Freddie, that I think the suits would be asking is, is this enough? That I think is just going to have to be something that we'll have to find out over time and see what the community does with it. I mean, for me personally, I think it's enough. Um, if anything, I would say maybe increase the power cost of chains, but like even that, like it's once per turn, like it always should have been. And I think that in his current state, he's probably fine. Yeah. Um, because he's going to like people got super hype and like tried to shove him in inhumans for however long. Right. And I think he's still probably pretty dang good there. Right. But it's now you're now it's like a six threat investment with a five threat leader. You know, it's like yeah. he really thrives off of this power generating type leaderships. But um, I think it's just harder now. Yeah. Um, so I think I think I think he's fine. I think it's probably going to be enough. We might see another one like we did with Malekith, but I am not sure. Well, guess again, we'll have to see what the community does with it. Yeah. And I think that that's a fair comparison when we talk about things that were problematic within MCP as a whole. I think Malekith was still worse, like, previously. Like, I think CGR getting to the deployment line was the worst thing, but in terms of just literally you had one answer for Malekith, and that was Helios laser and hoping the dice play. You know what I mean? Like, or, yeah. or bringing Immortal Hulk kind of a thing, you know? Or regular Hulk. So... Yeah, definitely. I, I, I always felt like Malekith was more oppressive, personally, but again, I, you know, rose-colored glasses or maybe fiery skull-colored glasses a little bit. 
<laughs> I mean, personally speaking, I think CGR was worse, but also this is coming from someone who played against more CGR than he did Malika. Yeah. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. So, and and it's one of those things where I I could see us getting another round of this at some point, maybe. But currently, I'm with you in that this feels appropriate. Yeah. And and I'm happy with that. So, yeah. Suits, let us know what you think and whether you think they didn't go far enough or you think they went too far or it was Baby Bear's bed just right. You know what I mean? I'd love to know. I'd love to hear from you. Send me messages on Facebook or via email, housepartyprotocolpod at gmail.com. Messages on Discord. I'm at HPP underscore Will in most of the MCP-related Discords, though I spend most of my time in the House Party Protocol Discord, which if you're interested in joining that Discord, you do have to be a patron on patreon.com slash housepartyprotocol. The reason being, it's literally a dollar a month and we want to want to keep everybody over there and it's a good way to interact. We do have a show feedback section over there. So if you want to comment in there, in that Discord uh, with what you think of this and whether or not you, you think it was enough, because I would love to hear from you. Um, yeah. And then Brian, Freddie, we do have a little bit of business to take care of today. Little bit of business, a little bit of business. So we had a giveaway going for the warrior falls Wakanda pack that features the weirdly half part of warrior falls. And then two pretty cool models in King T'Challa and Killmonger usurper. So, we have gathered up all the Facebook comments, all the bonus entries, which I really cannot say how much I appreciate that. It's incredible. We had over 320 entries here, which is awesome. And um, for those of you that are interested, if you're a Mark V patron over on our Patreon, you get two extra entries into the giveaway that I input into Facebook Comment Picker as bonus entries, which is really a cool feature that that website has. So here we are. We've gathered up all of the names. And uh, yeah, we're going to get going here. So I'm going to hit the button. And uh, yeah, we'll start this thing uh, for the giveaway. So here we go. Scrolling through the names. And all right, cool. So We've got our winner. He uh, he sends us uh, a message on Discord all the time. It's Nemesis Nate. So that's uh, Nate I Angel. I hope I said that right. And been listening for a long time. This is actually one of his entries that he sent as one of the code words because I always write uh, the Discord name. So that way when it, when it comes up like this, I know who wins the giveaway. But uh, yeah, Nemesis Nate has won the giveaway so i'll be in touch with you pretty soon and um yeah congratulations this is awesome we'll be doing another giveaway very soon i'm gonna maybe give it a week and then start another one because look i, I can't not give away bishop and nightcrawler but bishop right oh yeah i can't not like i kind of have i feel obligated Oh As yeah, absolutely you can't someone. not i mean he's kind of he's kind of your identity in a way <laughs> i mean yeah. Look, he's he's one of my favorites, and it's a character that I just, I love the way they made him on the tabletop. He seems fun as heck, and yeah, so Nate, I will be in touch with you. Congratulations, and look, 
I got to say thank you to everyone that participated in this giveaway. It's really awesome to get the messages from everybody and, and chit chat with everyone and see all the comments that everybody left. It's really wonderful. And I love this community so much. And it means so much to me that doing this kind of stuff, it's my way of giving back for everything that you guys give to me. I really appreciate that. But anyways, without further ado, let's now talk about a very interesting character that we have seen now, and that is the Shadow King. So, Brian Freddy, as always, we have to start with the model, and I love this model. Like, it looks so cool. Oh, the model's so cool. It's so cool. I don't know who this character is, like, really, but it's a very, very cool model. Yeah, so it, back uh, years ago in the old X-Men TV show that they are now making a sequel to, uh, there was an episode where Storm basically fights the Shadow King. And that's where I originally knew this character from. And then, obviously, there's I've, I read some stuff in comics and all that stuff over the years. But, like, that's where I knew this character from. Okay. And then also... Yeah, that's surprisingly nothing I've ever actually seen. I never saw that cartoon, and I need to. Oh, my goodness. Well, they got a whole new season coming out soon. I know, and that's why I need to see it. (laughs) Yeah, I was doing um, historical research, and by that I mean re-watching the whole thing recently, so it's been awesome. And uh, also this character was in the Legion show, so if you saw that, another another opportunity. But either way, this model is awesome. Like, I love the smoky Shadow King guy, and then he's like, he's got his human form just kind of chilling. It's like... He's got very, very kingpin vibes. He, you know? If it wasn't for the big, scary ghost monster thing, it would definitely look like kingpin. <laughs> right, exactly. Which, you know, this is one of those models where the smoky guy, the, the, the astral form, I guess you could call it, is it looks like it's intrinsically tied into the person. But I could see some creative people out there just doing the, the smoky dude instead of having the actual humanoid figure on here. Yeah, for sure. So, are you going to buy Shadow King and paint him up? Oh, yeah. No, I I buy everything. I'm I'm a gotta-catch-em-all kind of guy with this game. But um, it's going to be kind of interesting to see how I paint up the little ghost guy, because, like, I don't own any of those color-shifting paints, but I feel like this is uh, an opportunity for some color-shifting paints. Either that or just some, like, really good dry brushing. (laughs) Yeah. So this is one where it's like, y'all know I'm I'm not going to paint it. Yeah, you will. Yeah, you will. Uh, What was it we were talking in the Discord uh, last night about a pile of opportunity as opposed to a pile of shame? Shout out to One Absolute Matt. And, uh, yeah, my pile of opportunity is enormous. (laughs) <laughs> it's you know it's an easy way to avoid that right you know what's what that, that is what's that as, to, as soon as you take it out of the box and you put them together you prime and paint it right then you know that sounds like a good idea i'll, I'll work on that <laughs> <laughs> but either way this is one that i would love to paint just like claw like i think that really amg has done a great job of providing interesting painting options with a lot of the the newer models like 
the the box mate for this Professor X is cool, but it's pretty standard fare. This one, I think, is really provides a lot of unique opportunities for painting. Oh, for sure. It's going to be really cool to see what I can whip up. Yeah. Well, I'm excited. And make sure to share your work in the House Party Protocol Discord page. So. Oh, of course. Of yeah. course. Now let's talk about this character's superpowers. And let's start with his basic stat line. The Shadow King with an alternate ego of Amal Farouk. So you can only have one Amal Farouk on the tabletop, which I'm going to be honest. If we get another version of this character, I'll be shocked. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> I don't think we have to worry about that. He has three physical defense, four energy defense, and five mystic defense. He has stamina value of six. He has threat value five, size three, and he moves short. Nothing changes on his injured side other than the art, which is amazing. Oh, and, it's very, very cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's also worth noting that he is on a 50 millimeter base. So, yeah, top stat line here seems pretty chill. For a five threat, though, seems low on the health because he's only got 12 total stamina. How do you feel about that? It does seem a little low because um, it's six and six, right? Correct. Yeah. Um, it feels a little low, but there might be something later on down this card that might help that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I mean, a short mover on a 50-millimeter base is definitely one of those things that gets my eyebrow raised. But as we go through this character's card, I think there's some fun stuff that happens here. So why don't you read his attacks? All right. So his first attack is a mystic attack. It's called Mental Shackle. It is a range 3, 6 dice, 0 power cost. After the attack is resolved, gain power equal to the damage dealt. And on a wild, you will trigger root. And if for those of you who don't deal with root too often, you have to spend one extra power to use your superpowers. So that's really, really strong on a builder. Mm -hmm. um, and after this attack is resolved, if it dealt damage, you may advance the target character short. Yeah, pretty potent Which attack. I think is, <laughs> it's really, really potent for a builder. Yeah. And I mean, it's just doing damage, you get to displace people. and six dice mystic feels like unless you're attacking the convocation or something or or maybe six mystic defense professor x over there feels pretty good yeah definitely and i'm definitely. a big fan of displacement and the fact that when you think about that this character is short moving and so being able to either move up attack with mental shackle Maybe you root, maybe you don't. But if you do that damage, being able to bring people closer to your other friends or get them away from you, because think about it, unless someone has a charge or or another way to move themselves, moving people short away from you can function a lot like a stagger. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I know that very well in Inhumans. We, we like to displace quite often. Yeah, so... It's, uh, it's one of those things that I think is really strong and is, is going to pay a lot of dividends. And then Root, like you said before, paying that one extra power. If you've played against Loki and you've had to be in the Loki bubble, this is just a condition that hangs out with you the whole time. Yeah. It's awful. Yeah. 
And I love and it. just imagine that being next to a Loki. No. That just sounds not very good. It sounds so mean, but I love it. I love a six die builder on a five threat. What do we got next? Uh, next, we have another mystic attack. It's called Astral Disintegration. Uh, it's range two for five dice with a power cost of four. Add dice to the attack roll equal to the number of power the target character has to a maximum of five. The target character cannot reroll or modify its defense roll during this attack. What a weird attack. Wow. Yeah. It's really weird, right? It's very weird, but it's really cool, <laughs> I think. Yeah. I mean, we just talked about having a 12 dice mystic attack. I mean, two dice less, potentially? Potentially. Potentially? Um, yeah, potentially. And I think on average, like what? The, the average front side character is like right around five, would you say? Yeah. So you're probably most of the time going to be getting a maximum of four. But I mean, there are, you know, niche cases of people having six. But I think for the most part, you'll probably be getting a maximum of like three or four dice on this attack extra. So, I mean, you're looking at between between seven and nine on this uh, spender, which I think is pretty strong. Yeah. And realistically, if you think about it, if you target priority correctly maybe somebody's waking up from being dazed they're sitting there with a boatload of power but they're maybe a little weaker a little less health a little less defensive tech on their injured side and you're close enough to do astral disintegration you're rolling 10 mystic dice and they can't modify so something like cover for rocket he doesn't get his cover right that because yes. cover yes. is a modification right Correct. You don't get re-rolls. Yep. Shuri can't give people re-rolls. Zemo can't re-roll his own dice or give other people re-rolls. No spider senses are tingling on this one. <laughs> so, and I, I got it mixed up when I did my little explanation. I was thinking damage that they have, but still, you're not wrong. Like if they're just waking up, like you can really get a lot of you can really get a lot of dice in that. That'd be really great. I was gonna let it ride because I was just, uh, you know, it wasn't like it's not like Titan Killer on. Drax, it's where the amount of power that they have. So power fluctuates. And I think that saving this attack to where you can at least get three extra dice, I think is going to be valuable because it is a four power cost attack. So rolling yeah. seven or eight dice is where you're going to want to be with this attack, I think. But for sure, you know, it's one of those things where I think eight is really the spot where I would target to use this. But I think it's also contextually worth noting you have to be in range two and he moves short. This you, you have to factor that in if you're trying to use this. Yeah. And I mean, generally speaking, the, the physical attacks are really, really prevalent in this game and him being within range two of most strikes with the three physical defense doesn't feel great. It doesn't. But Having a six dice builder that is a mystic attack means that you should have power to access this part of his kit. However, he does have superpowers. So he does. Let's talk about these superpowers because there is some interesting things going on here. So first up, we have an active superpower called Astral Fiend, and it's going to cost you three Power, so it can be used on his turn. 
Also, it's going to cost you an action. The bold text on here that says action means one of your two actions must be to use this superpower if you choose to. Place a projection token within range three of this character. When measuring range for this character's attacks or superpowers, measure from the projection token. When measuring range for enemy mystic attacks, enemy characters may measure to this character or its projection token. When this character is dealt damage by an enemy mystic attack, remove this token. At the beginning of the cleanup phase, remove this token. This superpower can be used only once per turn. Brian Freddy, that's a lot of words. It is a lot of words. Now, let's try to break it down for the suits out there. Functionally, what you're doing is placing a token. We don't know what size this token is. Is it going to be 50 millimeter size to match his base size? Or is it going to be the standard token size of like the psychosis token size, right? We don't know. But it's going to be a token. You place it within range three of him. The only way that token goes away is if Shadow King takes damage from a mystic attack. It's the only way it goes away during that round. So, very interesting. And then very, very interesting. it'll go away in the cleanup phase. But everything Shadow King does from that point on is measured from that token. Now, Brian Freddy, this is an action. So, realistically, he's only going to get one attack off from it. Where's the value in that? Uh, the value, I, I've sat here and I've really thought about this one. And I think that a lot of the value comes in if you're at the end of the round and you're really trying to secure some points, you're trying to display some people, you could potentially throw down this, this, uh, this projection token within range three and basically reach the other side of a D-map. And if they're weaker to uh, mystic attacks, you could just walk them right off. Like, I'm, you know, most two threats in the game, what do you do with them? You sit them on a back point. Mm -hmm. So if you just go with Shadow King towards the end of the activation and you plop down that Astral Fiend, um, you could really swing some points in your favor. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that that is where this is going to really play a part. And I also think that there's something else on his card that you have to be aware of if this token is on the ground and we'll get to it in a second but this is one where i don't see this being used super often because i played a lot of convocation as as many listeners that have been here for a while know played a lot of convocation and astral ring is a card that convocation has so you place that token down within three and then you're kind of stuck where you are and the thing you have to remember about that is wherever you place that down if you're stuck there then you have to factor in what you're going to do next round if you decide to use astral ring because you could end up being pretty far out of position which is something that i had to learn over time this is different in that you place that down then you can still move with shadow king you're not locked in place where he is but that's both your actions to place this thing down and then subsequently move. And if your opponent has access to mystic attacks, then 
Shadow King is at that point in danger, potentially. But it's, it's still, you got to think about what you're doing. Because if you place this down and then do an attack, where is Shadow King going to be to start the next round? Right where his base is. You know what I mean? Like right where he is currently. And he moves short. So like, keep coming back to that because it's not a game changer in terms of like, you can still do stuff. But like Venom, he moves short on that 50 millimeter base, but he has lethal protector, which can allow him to jump a little bit, right? So far, Shadow King doesn't have that. So there's going to be some interesting push and pull with his kit if you decide to use this. But I've got, we've got a couple other superpowers to talk about, and I'm going to come back to Astral Fiend on one of these. So his next superpower is another active one, Immortal Essence. It's going to cost you three power. This character removes up to three damage from itself. This superpower can be used only once per turn. I'm kind of chuckling a little bit, Brian Freddy, because how are you supposed to kill Shadow King? You don't. <laughs> it's what it sounds like. You just don't. I mean, this, this is really potent. I mean, three power for three health on himself feels really good. It's really good. I mean, you're literally just trading one for one. And what's Claws? Is it three, three power for two? So Claws is actually two for two. So you're okay. less, less power, but less health as well. So same, same, but different. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, basically, more or less. <laughs> yeah. But it's one of those things where when this character, like we said before, he is low on the stamina value, kind of seemingly for five threats. But Immortal Essence is really strong. Yes, it has to be on his turn. So if you've taken four damage on Shadow King, you better activate him if you don't want him going down. It's just my, the way I read this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even if you get this off like once per game, 12 health turning into 15 health for three power. That's not bad. Not bad. You know? Not bad. Yep. So the next superpower, this one's so interesting to me. It is a reactive superpower. So it have a trigger and we'll explain what that is in a second. Nightmare visions. It's going to cost you four power. When a character ends an advance within range three of this character, there's your trigger, an advance, this character may use this superpower. Roll three dice. The enemy character suffers one damage for each crit and wild in the result. If this superpower deals at least one damage, this character may advance the enemy character short. This superpower can be used only once per turn. What a weird counterattack. Yeah. But there I have weird feelings about this one. Yeah, me too. But I think this 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 is different than some of the other ones we've seen. So how is this different? Let's start off with it's an ends in advance. So what is an advance? That is a movement with a movement tool that is from his mental shackle advance potentially, where you're just moving someone short. That is also a push. A push is a type of advance. The only type type of movement that this doesn't affect is a placement. Because a right. placement is yep. not an advance. 
So, like, I think even a throw is a throw in advance. See, that's the one that always confuses yeah. me. I'm not sure. I'm not I sure think, either. But I'm not sure either. So, no to the throw. However, roll three dice. So, we've seen a counterattack things before where it's roll four dice and an effect happens. Typically, with stuff like that, so we can look at a character like Mysterio as an example, and his trap house, because that's what this is, is, is basically a tricks and traps. When an enemy character ends a movement within range three. Okay, so there is a different bit of wording there. Movement versus advance. Okay. So I wonder, I wonder if it's literally just advance and not a push. Oh yeah, maybe that maybe that is the key the key wordage difference. Yeah, so so that would be moving with part of an action, like a action movement, or if something says advance a character or do an advance, mm -hmm. then I think, um, you know, so so yeah, not a push, I guess, into this one. So hey, I'm glad we do reading here, folks. Uh, <laughs> so it's roll four <laughs> dice for Mysterio. Enemy character suffers one damage for crits and wilds, and then if at least one was suffered, Mysterio gets to move short. Let's also take a look at Cassandra Nova, because she has a similar ability, which I think is worded exactly the same, is ends yeah. a movement within range three, roll four dice, this character gets to advance short. So I think, yeah. are you starting to see the picture here, Brian Freddy? Yeah, I'm starting to see the picture. Okay. Um, you use mental shackle, you walk them in, you blow them up. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's only three dice. It's only yeah. three dice. I don't think the that Three this... dice is where I'm like kind of iffy on it. Well, so I don't think that this is so much about what you do on your active turn. I think this is more about placing that Astral Fiend token, gaining a little bit of power, having access to the Nightmare Visions... So that way you're in a central location. Someone moves, maybe they charge one of your friends. You roll mm -hmm. your nightmare visions. You do at least one damage. And now their charge is wasted because you've just oh. interrupted it. <laughs> yeah. And pushed them away or advanced them short in whatever direction you want. Right. No, that's actually that. Yeah, that sounds really spicy. So I think when we peel back the layers of nightmare visions why does this cost four which is expensive why is this only three dice because i think it really disrupts a lot of things when it hits yeah no i think it does disrupt a lot of things um it's kind of like a pseudo loki bubble in a, in a weird way right like you have kind of like the zone of an area like you want him to be in the middle of the board and like you said people come in with charge you make them walk away they're trying to rotate around the map. you make that a little bit more difficult for them like i think i think this actually might have more legs than i originally thought it might yeah and it's expensive it's four power so like if you're sitting there on on eight power you're gonna get two opportunities in a round to do this and i i wouldn't say that this is one of those things that you're gonna use it every time but making your opponent have to account for it is huge and again yeah. three three dice is not a lot and i don't know what the math is on trying to get a crit and wild on only three dice it doesn't seem like it's good however 
the effect that this provides this if this was only three power and you rolled your four dice and you advance someone short on their activation it feels really strong like it's it's one thing when you're moving yourself away it's another thing when you're affecting the other player yeah um i think that i mean think about whenever you're picking up a scroll right like the extract token and you have to roll your dice and you're looking for crits and wilds how many times have you rolled your three physical defense and you don't get pushed (laughs) yeah it's rare for it feels like (laughs) (laughs) uh i mean i've played a game against someone recently where they picked up a scroll with a shield agent and didn't get pushed that felt real bad for me but like i think that it's a little bit more likely than we're willing to give the credit for just because there are other characters in the game for the most part that are rolling four on this type of ability right so the, the going down to three feels bad quote unquote but i I don't think it's going to be as bad as we may think. Yeah. Strictly because you are advancing them. If you were advancing yourself, I would argue for. Uh, yeah, no. If advancing this, them, you know what I mean? I completely agree. And I, I think that's the difference in not only the power cost, because when we when we're talking about these other versions of this, Cassandra Nova is one. Like I keep coming back to her just because it's quick into type. It's only cost you two. It's just two power to do... A thing where she gets to move and yeah it's similar in that if let's say valkyrie charges into cassandra nova that short advance is outside of the charge range so you lose your charge anyways but this one again it's one of those things where i think it's the interaction with the other player that makes this so strong and like mysterio's tricks and traps his cost three for a similar effect. Again, you can you lose that charge anyways. But I keep coming back to charge or whatever thing that allows people to get into range and then do a thing. Right? That's what I'm thinking <laughs> about here with this. And it is this when you're interacting with your own models, like there's there's a push and a pull of okay, I'm gonna tricks and traps, you come close to me, or or rock it with his booby traps or whatever. And then I get to be a little bit safer as opposed to you're coming close to me. I do a thing and now I put you where I want you. You know what I mean? Now I've effectively made you waste an action. Not so much like it's again, it's it's still an action waste. I hope I'm coming across correctly here, Brian Freddie, in that if you tricks and traps, someone charges you and you tricks and traps, you still got the movement out of it. So it doesn't feel as bad. Sure, you lose your attack, you lose your power. That's 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 feels bad. But you've been able to move into a position that you want to be in, right? Correct. This, yeah. if you move, whether it's charged or just a move action, you're going where you want to go. You're you're advancing your cause on the tabletop, whatever it is. Well, boom, you pop nightmare visions of Shadow King, and now your disruption of your opponent is through the roof in my opinion like you you have effectively staggered them and especially if they spent power to do something this is huge and this is one where like a character like malekith if you do this to malekith he loses ferocity yeah 
Like, which is crazy. That's huge. That's huge. So it it's it's little things like this, you know, where um what is just just so many different things. And I I see this and I think at first blush we see four power, three dice. Feels really restrictive. But I I think from reading this card, if this hits you, you're gonna feel it. Oh, you're gonna feel it real, real hard for sure. Yeah. So I'm spending a lot of time on this because I think that this is where something like if you have the power to put out your Astral Fiend token, do an attack, and then set up a Nightmare Visions bubble, it's insane. You know what I mean? Like, it just yeah. it feels insane to me. He's just going to really add to that Tricks and Traps bubble. Yes, and it's it's a level of control that works in a different way than we've seen in MCP and makes for a really unique character. Of course. Yeah. I would, I, yeah. And Definitely. there's one final line on this card, and that is Omega level multiversal entity. It is an innate ability, so he always has this. This character gains one additional power during the power phase. So starts with two like a five threat should. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> really gets that engine going. Yeah, yeah. I uh I I don't know, man. The Shadow King seems really weird but really interesting. Yeah, and I'm really intrigued to see like where he falls affiliation-wise, where he falls in the overall community. I I feel like I've heard a lot of flack towards this character, but I just I feel like that there's something really sneaky good about him, and I'm really excited to see what people can come up with. Yeah, this is one of those characters that it's going to take some time to unlock, but I think that he has some play. He's five threat, so he's got to perform. He has to perform. And I think that on certain scenarios, you know, you've got a clumped up scenario where you can maybe leverage your control abilities you know you move once onto like a back gamma and then you're standing there on a back gamma and then you're astral fiending and nightmare visioning that's really hard to say (laughs) (laughs) all over the place you know what i mean maybe maybe you know what i mean i I read this it seems interesting now brian freddie the question that i have to ask myself is does he fit in my convocation (laughs) (laughs) of course here it comes yeah um (laughs) i don't know um i've played i've been tinkering around with a little bit of convocation myself um i feel like it'd be kind of tough to justify the five threat cost with strange yes but um i think he could see some cool things i think he's one of those Um, like if you needed a a tenth character and it's like okay, I need a 10th character and I'm playing on like Gamma or something like that and I really need this level of control and like whatever. Like it's funny to think like the different crisis opportunities, right? So if you're playing on Gamma, well, you might still have cubes and then having a five threat that's going to sit on a point doesn't do you any good, you know? Right. But like if you're playing on a Gamma and like a books, right? Like a Montessi formula or whatever, or, yeah, whatever it is. Not Montessi. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's Montessi. Um, 
something like that that's going to score a little slower, well then maybe Shadow King makes a little sense, you know, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, so it's, it's, it's an interesting thing. And, you know, I think we know that he's Brotherhood affiliated. That's at least what Cerebro says is that he's Brotherhood affiliated. I don't really know yeah, what he does. Yeah, because he's, he's affiliated Brotherhood in the timeline. I think that's where they're uh, getting it from. That's where it comes from. Okay. It's interesting that he's there. I think he could play well with a Mystique leadership, I think, maybe, because he's able to get a power back when he interacts with a thing. You can put the little token down so he can be more mobile. And then being able to advance characters to where she can blow up terrain or something seems fun. Yeah. Yeah, that would be really cool. I think in Spider-Foes and or Criminal Syndicate where you can tricks and traps people, this could be interesting. Yeah, Trap House, just mm-hmm. straight up. Mm-hmm. Anywhere else that you can like pinpoint that he seems interesting? Um, I don't think so. Maybe 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 hellfire and the reason i say that is just you can potentially have his his uh immortal essence on every single turn um without really having to do anything Um, yeah having astral fiend on every single turn without really having to do anything and it like the healing will just make him that much more immortal (laughs) than he already is yeah um i think he could be interesting there Nice. But he yeah. is competing for Ultron, you know? Like, that's right. kind of big right now. Yeah, Ultron's good. Love Ultron. But anyways, I, I'm i really interested to see where he falls on the tabletop because he seems like a fun and interesting, like, he feels like a big brain character a, a lot. And so people that take the time to play this character and, and get him on the tabletop with repeated reps, I think are going to have a pretty spicy character on their hands. Definitely, definitely, definitely. So the last thing we have to talk about is tactics cards that come with him. And it's one that we know about, Astral Plane. It is unaffiliated, reactive. During the power phase, Shadow King may spend one power to play this card, choose a secure objective token, and place an Astral Incursion token on it. Enemy characters suffer one damage when they end an activation within range one of the astral incursion and when they interact with the objective token marked by the astral incursion during the next cleanup phase, remove all tokens. So basically you're just denying your opponent an opportunity to score potentially. Yeah. I think this one's actually super interesting in the fact that like what speaks out to me when I see this is like you have somebody standing on a point, that really wants to be double tapping, but they are living on one health or like they really don't want to be taking damage or like whatever the case is, right? Mm-hmm. You place down this astral uh, incursion token right next to them. Now they are forced to move away from it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and I think that it's that. It's also just like, you know, oh, hey, web warriors that, you know, you've got a pretty low health pool, get damaged. You know what I mean? Like, oh, this is a pay to flip. So not only do you have to move over to touch it, you've also got to take some extra damage to touch it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Yeah. So that's one of those cards where you're like, if you're playing Shadow King, try it out. I don't know how how much it's going to move the needle, but pretty much it's unaffiliated, so you can take this card with you wherever you take Shadow King. 
Yeah. And I think this one's going to be cool. I, I hope that it's not just like one of those cute cards. Yeah. Same, same. It, it could be, it could be cool. So Brian, Freddie, I think that about wraps it up for us today. I think so. Yes. Yeah. Where can people find you? You can find me on the House Party Protocol Discord, where everybody loves to hang out and have a grand old time. Um, I love that community very, very much, and I hope that you come and hang out with us soon. You can also find me in the Inhumans channel on the fan server. I hang in that, hang out in there semi-frequently. So, uh, yeah, those are pretty much the two main places. Oh, yeah. So definitely check that out. And uh, the HPP Discord, you know, Brian Freddy is uh, a pretty big presence over there. So I appreciate you, my friend. And um, if you have come into the Discord since the last, I don't know how long, six months or so, maybe even longer than that, uh, you, you have a nice welcome message once you arrive that is mm, it's tip top, <laughs> tip top. Yeah, you've got a little bit of a welcoming committee. Yeah, a little so bit. To speak. It's pretty wonderful. We'll bury the lead there. Come and come and figure out what that means. Yes, yes, indeed. And uh, suit send us messages like I said earlier, Facebook or House Party Protocol Pod at gmail dot com, or messages on Discord uh, at HPP underscore Will. Uh, make sure to check out Battle Kiwi. Their battle boxes are wonderful. If you haven't ordered anything from them before. You can use code PARTYKIWI for 10% off your first order with them. I love mine. Seriously, don't leave home without it. It's it's wonderful. So, do you have one, Brian? I Freddy? literally can't imagine. Yeah, I can't imagine playing MCP at this point without my trace. Like, yeah. I don't know what to do with myself. Yeah, so highly, highly recommend that. They're great. And then uh, we might have some more sponsorship opportunities coming up, which will be pretty fun. Um, but I do have one thing to talk to you guys about, and that is I don't know how to say this word particularly well, but I'm going to try. It is Kridrufi, and it was a Kickstarter okay. thing, and it's a hobby, like, travel hobby thing. Look, I'm going to have a link in the description to this podcast and a code that you can put in for a discount on this thing. Basically, you have your cups, you have your wet palette, you have like a little thing to hang your brushes on, all of this stuff in a very like tightly compacted, like easy to carry thing. And I'll, I'll put a, a picture in the Discord if you're listening to this and you want to go to the Discord. But it's really cool. I got mine and it it's I've been taking it with me to try to catch up on my Adepticon painting that I'm super far behind on. And it's really useful to have like your paint cups and it comes with two paint cups, all this different stuff. It's really useful. Don't feel obligated. This is, you know, like it's just a thing I found online that I think is really awesome. So I've got a secret code that you guys can use. It's And again, I'm not going to write it down or, or I'm not going to say it too late. It's Kredrufi-HPP. But just look in the description of the podcast. It'll be in there. And you get like 5 or 10% off. If it seems something that you might think you want to use... Give it a give it a thing. I I like mine, so yeah, awesome. Yeah, just a little thing. And uh, don't forget to check out Patreon.com/slash House Party Protocol. Little as a dollar a month, which is what twelve bucks a year. Yeah, I did that math real good there. Um, you can come and hang out in the best place on the internet, featuring the one and only Brian Freddy. So uh, That's yeah, me. <laughs> I uh, I really appreciate. <laughs> everyone out there 
Uh, be on the lookout for another giveaway before too long because, again, uh, Bishop and Nightcrawler, got to give them away for sure. And, uh, yeah, I, I just really want to say thank you to everyone that gives us their time to listen to us, and I hope that it's valuable to you and that you get something out of it. And if there's anything I can ever do to make this podcast better, do not hesitate to let me know. And uh, yeah, with that, party on, Brian Freddy. Party on, Will. And power down suits. Suits.